Good morning, good morning. This is the day that the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. God has given us a command to rejoice. It says, let everything that hath breath Praise the Lord, because like the old folks used to say, I'm so glad that my bed was not my cooling board. So the fact that God chose to wake us up this morning, we need to use that breath to praise the Lord this morning. What a mighty God we serve. We want to welcome you to the Tabernacle of Praise. You may have been on the bottom all week, but you've made it to the top. T-O-P, Tabernacle of Praise. We just want to welcome all of our visiting friends that are worshiping with us today. I promise today will truly be a blessing. We want you just to share this page, just give a shout out to somebody and just start a watch party. Just say amen, praise the Lord, happy Sabbath in the comment section just to let us know that you're watching this morning. You know, we live in some, some very treacherous times. You know, most of us have been touched or know someone uh, that has had the, co uh, uh, the COVID virus. And we just live in uncertain times, people being laid off. There's uncertainty all over the place. People's hearts are failing them for the fear that's coming upon this earth. We know that these are signs of the end and everything that can be shaken will be shaken. We have to hold on to God's unchanging hand because God is gonna hold on to us in the midst of this storm. And I'm so glad, like David said, I will look into the hills from whence cometh my help, because my help, your help, our help, comes from the Lord. And so it is prayer time, folks. It's time for us to turn our eyes and our hearts, prepare our minds to meet Jesus as we make our petitions known to him. I have Brother O'Mill uh, is going to lead us to the throne of grace this morning. Amen, amen, amen. It is, it is just a privilege just to be alive. You know, it, it, the Bible says that the, the, the mercy that we received yesterday is not the mercy we received today. And I'm so glad that we serve a prayer answering God. I'm so glad that, you know, I don't have to buy bullocks or lambs or pigeon anymore. But, you know, I can just pray wherever I am. And so this morning I'm excited because, you know, God is going to hear. Um, let us pray. Wherever you are, let us pray. A mighty God is our fortress. A bulwark who never fail. God, this morning we come with high expectation. We come, oh God, with a spirit of rejoicing. God, we, through the course of this week, have been, uh, some have come up, oh God, through the, to the pit and ugly, guttery, hellish situation that the devil have placed us in. But God, today we have made it on this note. God, we are just grateful for your mercies unto each and every one of us. We are thankful, God, that in spite of what we have been through, in spite of what we have faced, oh God, in this week and in this life, we know, oh God, that there is hope, there is grace, and there is mercy in your name. And so, God, we thank you, Lord, for, for the unmerited gift of grace, oh God, that we do not deserve. 
What we deserve, oh God, is death and punishment, but God, you saw it fit, dear God, to, to grant us mercy. Lord, today I want to pray on behalf, oh God, of those who, oh God, are, are just trapped, oh God, beyond their circumstances, oh God. There's so much issue, oh God, that we are facing in this life, oh God. The, the problems of our life, oh God, is on a high note. And so God, we, we just wanna place our issues before you, oh God. We wanna place our problems before you, oh God, because we know that you are a problem solver. God, we know that you are the burden bearer. And so God, we wanna place those who are trapped, oh God, behind the bars, oh God, of fornication, behind the bars, oh God, of, of bitterness and anger, behind the bars, oh God, of just being addicted, oh God. Lord, I want to place each and every situation before you, mighty God. And I pray, God, that today somebody, oh God, will receive victory. I pray, God, that today somebody will experience freedom, oh God, because you have said in your words, that he who you have set free is free indeed, oh God. And so we just want to claim this freedom in Jesus' name, oh God. Lord, I pray that today, oh God, in the hearing of your words, oh God, that you will give us receptive heart to your word. I pray, God, that as the man's servant, oh God, is about to present your word to us. I pray, God, that, that, that we, oh God, will be energized, oh God. I pray that, oh God, we be vitalized and activized, oh God. I pray, Lord, that at the end of this message, oh God, when everything is said and done, oh God, that the devil will be terrified. The church will be edified and your name will be glorified. Lord, I pray, oh God, for the man's servant who will present your words. I pray, God, that you will unctionize him at this moment. I pray, God, that you will bless him, O oh God. I pray that the words that he will present to your people, O oh God, it will be so easy to understand that even the, 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 the baby from nine, O oh God, and the person to 99 will be able to understand this message. I pray, God, that as your words, O oh God, is received today, I pray, God, that our lives will be transformed. I pray that our lives will be rejuvenated, oh God, as a means of receiving your words. God, I pray for the sick and the afflicted ones, oh God, those who have been bound by sickness, oh God. I pray, Lord, that you will loose them at this moment and give them victory, oh God, in their situations. God, I pray, Lord, for, 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 for those who have lost loved ones this 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 week during the course of this week god we know it is a it is not an easy thing god to lose somebody oh god but lord i pray even now that the comforting of your holy spirit oh god will just hover oh god over those persons and give them comfort oh god in the time of bereavement oh god i pray lord even for the johnson family oh god who have lost their their, their, their shepherd oh god Lord, I pray that you'll just be with them in a special way, God. I pray, oh God, for those, oh God, who have been sick, Lord Jesus, like the man at the pool of Bethesda, oh God, for 37 years, oh God, or like that woman who have an issue for 12 years, oh God, whatever issue we have in our lives, for how long it is, I pray, God, that, that today, oh God, today will be the day of victory. Today will be the day, oh God, where people will experience Experience, oh God, victory and healing in their body. Lord, we know that you are still the bomb in Gideon, Lord. We know, God, that you still have the power to heal 
dear God. And so we just want to pray, oh God, that the powers of heaven will come down and bring healing and restoration, oh God. I pray, Lord, for every marriage, oh God, every relationship, oh God that the devil is attacking, oh God. I pray, Lord, that you will you will bring forth, you will bring, oh God, an angel, oh God, to protect that marriage, oh God, to, to, to beat back, oh God, the force of evil that, 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 that is about them, oh God. Lord, I pray, Lord, for our children, dear God of society. Lord, you see the children, oh God, are the future of this world. And God, you see how many of them, oh God, are placed in situation, oh God, that they have no power over, no choice over. I pray, God, that you will give them, oh God, a mind, oh God, to be saved. I pray, oh God, that you will give your children, oh God, a mind to, to walk like you. God, I pray not only for our children, but for our elders, oh God. I pray, oh God, for our young people, Lord. Lord, I pray, God, that you will be with us all. And I pray that when time on earth, God shall be no more, that we all will be under the sea of glass to live and reign with you. This is my prayer with thanksgiving. In Jesus' name I pray and I say thanks. Amen. 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 That was an absolutely beautiful prayer. I feel so refreshed after that. So today in stewardship, we're going to talk about something that most of us don't even think about. And if I could title it, I would call it it's the little things that count. It's the little things that count. And we're going to talk about in Matthew, and I think the chapter is um, seven. I'm not for sure. I just had it. Um, hold on. Maybe you pull that up for me. Um, in Matthew, there, Jesus had been out speaking all day. And as we know, we could listen to the Savior all day and all night. And the people were just sitting there listening. And um, so, well, even before that, a little boy went into to hear Jesus, he followed, but the mother stayed behind and she gave him a lunch. She gave him five loaves and two fishes, five little small loaves of bread and two little fishes. And I'm thinking, I bet she was thinking, I wish I had more to give my child. I wish I can give him some potato chips. I wish I had something like some soda. I wish I could give him more than what I'm giving, maybe two slices of pizza instead of these little breads and fishes. I'm sure she had thoughts of what she could have done if she had more. But it's the little things that count. And so she sent him along with this little lunch. And he's happy. He's just a little kid. And he's free. And he's getting ready to go. So he goes to, um, and he's hearing Jesus talk. And they, the as night comes on, as time progresses, the disciples become concerned. Pay attention to this. The disciples became concerned about the people needing some food. So they go to Jesus. I like to say they went into prayer. They went to Jesus and said, hey, you know, these people are hungry. Let's stop and send them into the villages, you know, um, to get something to eat. But the, so um, Jesus was like, well, if they're hungry, feed them. But I want to stop here and pause just a little, a little bit because it's just the little things that count. They went to Jesus on behalf of other people. So we're in quarantine and that's a little thing we can do. We can go to Jesus for other people. Intercessory prayer is powerful. But anyway, so Jesus said, we'll feed the people. And they was like, all we have are five loaves and two fishes. They just had a little bit. And Jesus says, bring it to me. Whatever little bit you got, bring it to God. Take it to him. It's a little bit. 
but it's worthy of his attention. He said, bring it to me. He didn't say stay over there and try to, you know, uh, dissect it and come up with 5,000. Really, it was just 5,000 men. So there may have been two children to each family. So that's 10, because we know this one little boy didn't come with anybody. So that's 15,000 there, every woman. Supposing there was a woman for every man, that's 20,000 people. So if they would try to divide those five loaves of bread and two loaves of fishes, into 20,000 pieces, imagine, we can't do what we can do by ourselves. We can't do it by ourselves. There's no way in our life, in the way we look at things, that that could have happened. However, Jesus said, bring it to me. Bring your bill money to me. Bring your problems to me. Bring your children to me. Bring them to me. You can't do it, but I can do it. And Jesus said, here, he prayed to the father and asked for the blessing of the father on the food. And they fed all these people. And then they had 12 baskets, 12 baskets of food left, 12 big baskets. Now I know that woman, when she got home, when her son got home with a bigger basket than she sent him out with, I know she was like, what, what? So listen, people, now you may be thinking, well, I just got a dollar in this week. I don't think I have to pay my return ties on that. Yeah, it's just a little thing, but do it. God wants us faithful in the little things. Maybe, you know, like I'm over, um, maybe I'm over the women's department and, and I'm thinking, you know, well, shoot, there's so many women. What's calling them gonna do? I mean, you know, we in this pandemic, for, what's one phone call? Do it. It's a little thing, but we don't know how God can make that little thing such a big thing. So listen, Let's not give up on God because he's not giving up on us. He doesn't care how little what we have is because he can make it big. When we talk about uh, God-sized dreams, let's, let your dream be that I'm going to follow God. That's a God-sized dream. I'm going to do exactly what he tells me to do. And if I just have a little bit, if I only have a small bit, I'm going to do what God tells me to do with it. This week, let's be faithful people in everything. Listen to the Holy Spirit because he can make that little bit, a big bit. And remember, remember, I loved O'Mill's prayer. He prayed for everybody. Remember to pray for people. We are all in need of prayer. And everybody, everybody is feeling some kind of way, whether it's anxiety, fear, isolation, sadness, whatever it is, people got something going. So just because they're smiling at you doesn't mean everything is okay. And remember this, this folks. It's the little things that count. Jesus loves you so much. Go and share what you have. Have a great day. Thank you. Praise the Lord, Sister Carol, for that beautiful stewardship nugget. And we just want to encourage you to be faithful in your tithe and your offering. God has been faithful to us, and we can truly be faithful to him. Send your uh, donations on the cash app dollar sign top giving amen amen and you know you can drop it off uh, so we just thank you for your faithfulness your continued faithfulness to god and right before our message today a message is going to be brought by our elder lee carroll who is truly i've been knowing this man for over 30 years and he has truly been a man of god of true faithfulness, dedicated service to God. And I appreciate him so much to always be willing to share the word of God 
And so I just want to thank him. And I want you just to put your put your seatbelt on, prepare your hearts to be fed uh, today. But before Elder Carroll comes, we're going to be favored with special music by our songbird, Sister Beverly Stewart Anderson, after which you will hear the voice of Elder Lee Carroll. Hear ye him. God is. He's whatever you need him to be right now. Amen. Pray with me.
Thank you, Sister Beverly, for that beautiful rendition and reminding us that God is all in all. Want to keep that in mind. Happy Sabbath to everyone, wherever you are around the globe in the St. Louis area where we're speaking from. Wish you all a happy Sabbath. You know, we are living in perilous times with this uh, pandemic affecting people. Uh, we want to keep in mind that there's uh, some things that we can do. First thing that we can do is pray and ask God to bless us and keep us from all hurt, harm, and danger, keep the pandemic away from us and our family. Um, another thing that we can do is use that plant that prevents COVID-19. Plant yourself at home and stay there. Also, I want to remind you what I said before, you ain't killing me, put on your mask. Always wear a mask if you have to go out. Stay socially distant, uh, be careful who you're around and what you're doing. Try not to stay too long if you have to be out. Remember when you get home to wash your hands for 20, 20 seconds with a lot of soap and water. And we just know that God will bless our efforts and crown us with success. You know, it's real interesting that they say the more, the longer you're married, the more you become like your spouse. So I just noticed that my wife stole my scripture this morning. <laughs> I don't know if she looked at my notes or what, but that's my exact scripture that she was reading from. Matthew 14, I invite you to turn with us to Matthew 14, and we'll be looking at verses 1 through verse 33. Uh, it starts out, this is a story of John the Baptist's death. It's also the story of the five loaves and the two fishes, and also the story of Peter actually walking on water. So on verse 1, it starts out, and it lets us know that Herod had heard about Jesus and about all the miracles that he was working and Herod didn't like it because he had always heard that another king was going to come and try and take his kingdom. And he didn't want that to happen because Herod was actually a tetriarch, not even a full king, which means that he only ruled a fourth of the kingdom. So the last thing he wanted was somebody else trying to come in and take that little part of a fourth that he was now over. And uh, he just told people, oh, don't worry about Jesus and what he's doing. He's just John the Baptist come back to life after I killed him. Because you know Herod had killed John the Baptist. Now it's very interesting that Herod and his wife Herodias, they were upset at John because John was a prophet of God and he didn't back down from telling people the truth about sin. Well, Herod had married Herodias. Herodias was at first married to Herod's brother, Philip. Now let that sink in. Herod also was married, and they both divorced the current spouses and married each other. And John told him, that's not right. The scripture says you should not marry your brother's wife because you would uncover his nakedness. So he was not afraid to share the truth, no matter what type of power Herod had or what type of power Herod thought he had. John was going to tell the truth regardless, even if it cost him his life. Now, Herod was upset, but his wife was more upset. So Herod had to put John in prison, not because he wanted to, because Herod actually liked John. He liked him. He had heard some of his sermons. He had even changed a little bit of his activities because of it. And he had invited people from around to come and hear this man preach. He's really a good speaker. He's a prophet. And the people loved John. So Herod knew that he couldn't touch John. He didn't want to kill him, definitely. And he didn't even want to put him in jail. But the scripture says 
because he was afraid of Herodias, his wife. Now, all the married men listening in, finish this quote with me. Happy wife. That's right. Happy wife, happy life. And Herod knew that. So the last thing he wanted was to be at home with his wife angry at him. The scripture says it's better to dwell in the corner of an addict than to live in a big house with an angry woman. So Herod wanted no part of that after he had done his dealings with the with the uh, kingdom and dealt with all the political and civil matters. The last thing he wanted to do was come home to an angry wife. So he caved into his wife's demands and threw John into prison. But again, it was Herodias because Herodias was upset because she didn't like being told that she was wrong. She knew she was wrong, just like all of us do. When we're about to do wrong, the Holy Spirit comes and says, that is not the right thing for you to do. But then when someone else comes along, another human being and says, hey, you're wrong, then we really get upset. Because then we think, who are you to tell me what to do? Even though I already know I'm wrong, that doesn't mean you get to come and tell me I'm wrong. So she was really upset and angry at John. And as the scripture says, light came into the world, but men rejected the light because they loved darkness because their deeds were evil. John was bringing light to her and her husband, but they rejected it because their deeds were evil and they didn't want their deeds to be seen. Now there came a time when Herod's birthday came up and they threw a big party for him and invited in all the, all the big muckety-mucks of the kingdom and all the other uh, tetrarchs and kings from around the area and all the uh, Pharisees and priests came in to the party. Now normally, this was only men coming into the party. There was a separation back then of men and women. So there were usually no women there, but this was Herod's big party. And his wife thought to herself, I know I can't get Herod to kill John right out, but maybe today on his birthday when he's all drunk and not thinking about it, I might be able to slip something past him. So what she did while they were having a party, the men were in there drunk, they had the music going, they had the lights flashing, the candle lights flashing. It probably looked like Disco 5000 in there. So she sends in her daughter, Salome. Salome was actually Herod's niece because that was his brother Philip's daughter with Herodias. So she sends the girl in there. She was a young lady uh, just becoming a, uh, Sister White says, in the flush of womanhood. I'm not sure what all that means, some of you ladies know. Flush of womanhood, I guess it means she was looking very nice and very fine. So she comes in and if you've seen how the Mideasterners dress in flowing robes and sheer fabrics and a lot of silk and she's dancing around in front of these drunk men and, and I imagine they got kind of lustful about it seeing her dancing. They hadn't seen women in here, especially not dancing like this before. And so you know what they were thinking. Let me give you a hint. They weren't thinking about Bible studies. <laughs> they weren't thinking about that. And Herod thought, wow, this is great. It's my birthday. It's my birthday. Watch what I can do. So he gets bold and egotistical and says in front of everyone, wow, Salome, you've danced so beautifully. And I am so uh, enamored with your dance and with your beauty and it, et cetera, et cetera. I'm going to give you anything you want up to half of my kingdom. Now, can you imagine someone giving away half their kingdom? 
but he was drunk. He was infatuated with all the lights flickering and the sounds of the music and all this silk flying everywhere. And he made that oath. And then Salome, she being a young woman, she thought, wow, this is great. Well, I can get a new wardrobe. I can get a chariot with some Arabian horses. I can even get my own mansion. But she went and asked her mother, Herodias, mom, what should I ask for? Now, you know, Herodias was still angry at John the Baptist. He was sitting in prison at the moment. He wasn't able to bother anybody, but that didn't stop her. She told her daughter, go out there and ask your daddy, your stepdaddy, your uncle, for the head of John the Baptist on a platter. And Salome's like, Ma, come on, I don't want to ask that. What about a new chariot? What about a big party with all my friends? No, go out there and ask for the head of John the Baptist. So the girl gave in to her mom, went back out there and asked Herod. She said, uh, he said, what do you want? Anything up to half the kingdom. I want the head of John the Baptist on a platter. You talk about sobering up quickly. I imagine Herod's jaw dropped, his eyes widened up. Everybody in there probably thought, oh, man, uh, we weren't expecting that. He wasn't expecting that. And Herod knew he was in trouble. So he started looking around because he had made this oath in honor of his guests. And he was hoping, well, maybe one of the guests will say, no, no, don't do that. That was just too much. We, we'll let you slide on that one. But they were drunk, too. And nobody said anything. And by their silence, they actually condemned the prophet. So Herod had to do it because how would he look if he made this promise and then didn't even follow his word? No one would believe him. In spite of what our current 45 does, just lies and don't care about it, Herod still cared that people took his word for, for honesty. So he had to kill John the Baptist, brought his head back on a platter. <coughs> Excuse me brought his head back on a platter. And, and Herodias was still so angry that I imagine she held the head of John up and hurled insults at him and said, look at you now. You thought you were going to get me, but I got you. It's a shame how we feel when our, when our sympathies have been injured. We're willing to do a lot of things that we wouldn't do had we not been so embarrassed and felt so sad about how we had acted. And think about Herod, all because he wanted to have wine and drink. Now he's made a foolish decision that has cost someone their lives. Many people do this, even now. There are people whose lives have been destroyed, people's families torn apart, death to innocent people, all because somebody wanted to drink and do drugs. And the only thing the perpetrator has to say after all this destruction is, I'm sorry I was drunk. I'm sorry I was high, was too bad. Herod couldn't say that. And it came out later, if you study the history of Herod, that his life just went downhill after that. And he ended up being exiled out in some barren place, he and his wife. His pride got in the way of him changing his mind. His ego got in the way of backing down from what he said. And because of that, God's prophet was murdered. Jesus was busy doing what Jesus does, healing people and encouraging people and telling them that the kingdom of heaven is at hand. 
and he had heard about the death of his friend, John. And he said uh, <clears throat> to his disciples, let's go away to a quiet place. Because every time Jesus was around, there was a multitude that followed him wherever he went, like some of these movie stars or sports players now, wherever they go, there's all this mob of people. What well, was like that with Jesus? He could barely take time out for himself before a big mob of people somehow found him and surrounded him. So he went out. He and his disciples got in the boat, went across the Sea of Galilee, which is about eight miles by 13 miles. And they rode to the other side of the lake for some peace and quiet, they thought. But by the time they got there, it took them a couple of hours to row over there. By the time they got there, there was a multitude of people waiting on them. And so Jesus wanted to speak to his disciples privately first. So they went off to a little side. He talked to them about what was coming, what was going on, the kingdom of heaven, what their duties were, how they were to be as examples of him and witnesses for him. And then finally, he looked at the crowd that had gathered and he was moved with compassion for them. That's something that's missing in life today, compassion. If you uh, like to look at Facebook or YouTube, you see a lot of videos where people are just almost like wild animals. They're watching people get beat down, watching fights happen, watching all kind of evil being done, and no one has compassion. No one says, hey, stop. This isn't how human beings act. Wait, this isn't how we should treat our fellow man. This isn't how we should treat one another. No one says that. In fact, people jump in, hit him, hit him, get him. Ooh, it's sad. But Jesus had compassion. And he looked at all these people who had walked miles to come and hear him speak. And he said, okay, disciples, we're going to go and minister to the people. And Jesus went over, spoke to them about salvation, about eternal life. He healed the sick. He healed people with illness, disease, uh, uh, mental illness as well. And it went on for hours and hours all day long. Jesus was healing and teaching and preaching and encouraging. And before anybody looked up, you know how it is when you're having fun, time flies. It was sunset. And the disciples looked around and they said, wow, it's, it's getting dark out here. And they told Jesus, uh, you know, we need to get these people on out of here so they can go get something to eat. And Jesus looked at them and he said, you give them something to eat. Now, can you imagine the disciples looking at about 20,000 people thinking, what you talking about, Jesus? We don't have no snacks. We don't have no little Debbie cakes to give out. What are you talking about? We can't feed these people. It's just us, the disciples. We might be able to catch a couple fish out in the lake, but that's about all we can do. Think about this. When Jesus is talking to you, you personally, and he says to you, brother, I want you to go and do such and such. Or for example, I want you to start a homeless ministry and go down there and get the homeless ministry started and help the homeless. Then do you turn around and look at your pastor and say, Pastor, Jesus wants you to go get a homeless ministry started. Do you look at the uh, PM council and say, PM council, we need to get a homeless ministry. Come on, y'all, we going down. Or do you recognize that Jesus is telling you to feed them? 
You yourself, he's given every one of us talents and skills and abilities to be used for his kingdom. And when he says for you to do something, that's for you to do. It doesn't mean you have to do it all by yourself, but he's asking you to feed the people. Now, one thing that we have to remember <clears throat> is obviously that we can't do anything by ourselves. Jesus says, I'm the vine, you are the branches. Without me, you can do nothing. So when he asks us to do something, he's enabling us to do it. He gives us the resources to do it. He gives us the power to do it. He gives us the drive to do it. You can get help, but he's asking you to feed the people. So the disciples finally said, Jesus said, what do we have here to feed the people? And they said, well, it's a little boy here. He's got five fish and uh, two loaves of bread, or excuse me, five loaves of bread and two fishes. And the disciples were like, well, that ain't enough to feed nobody. I could eat that myself. But Jesus said, hey, give it to me. There's a lesson here. Yes, we all have talents. Yes, we all have abilities. Yes, we all have resources. But Jesus says, give it to me. And as the song says, a little bit in the master's hand goes a long way. So whatever our talents are, if you have a talent for finances, you have a talent for singing, you have a talent for helping people, even if you think it's just a little bit, give it to Jesus. Even if all you have is a dollar, a couple dollars, even if all you have is 30 minutes a day to work and do something for Christ, he says, give it to me. And just like the loaves and fishes, he'll multiply your gifts, he'll multiply your talents, he'll multiply the effect of what you are trying to do in his name. Just like he fed 20,000 people approximately with just five loaves and two fishes. Christ never did miracles for him, himself. It was always for those who were watching. It was always for those who showed faith in him. It was always an encouragement to give us hope, to know that he is God and there is none like him. And he's asking us to do that today. Whatever we have, give it to him and watch how he's gonna bless you. And then it says, even after these people ate, and you know, these people had walked for miles to get up there, up hills, down valleys, crossing creeks to get there to hear Jesus. They had stood there all day long, women with kids, and you know, your kids only gonna stand there for a few minutes before they start crying and want you to pick them up. So the women were holding the babies, people was crushing all into them. They couldn't sit down because they would have gotten trampled. And they were just tired and worn out. So I can imagine they were really starving to get that food. Now, it reminded me of a, a church that had a communion service. <clears throat> the church had a communion service. And as churches like to do after communion, they had a fellowship dinner. And at the fellowship dinner, one of the brothers was eating hard. Like that was it starving, just eating, 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 which I imagine these people were doing after being there all day. And one of the deacons said, hey, brother, didn't you take communion today? And he said, yeah. And the deacon said, then why are you eating like it's the Last Supper? I could see those people eating like it was the Last Supper because they hadn't ate all day long. They were tired. They were worn out. They were discouraged because of the lateness of the day. But Jesus, again, had compassion on those people. 
fed them. Now after they're fed, they're happy, they're enjoying themselves, they're encouraged. And by this miracle, they re remember the other miracles of Christ and they wanted to make him king then. They didn't want to wait to when he wanted, when it was supposed to happen. They wanted to make him king over Israel. But that's not the kind of kingdom that Jesus is going to have. It's not a kingdom uh, taking over territory here on earth. It's a spiritual kingdom in heaven and then in the earth made new. He didn't want that. So he told the people, hey, hey, y'all calm down. Time for y'all to go, you've eaten. And after they had eaten even, they took up 12 baskets of food. In other words, they had 12 plates left over. Now, many times when we come to uh, dinner, a lot of times people will fix a plate to go before they even sit down to eat. Well, there was 12 plates left after this dinner. But Jesus said, it's time for y'all to go home. They didn't want to leave, but he said, you don't have to go home, but you got to leave from here. So move on and be safe. The disciples were watching and they thought the same thing. Wow, Jesus is getting ready to take over the kingdom. We're going to crush the Romans. We're going to beat them down. And he knew that about them. Jesus knows our thoughts and our feelings. And he told the disciples, y'all need to check that. That's not even what's going to happen. In fact, y'all get in the boat, row on back to the place, and I'll meet y'all later. They didn't want to do it, but Jesus had authority. And he told them, no, go ahead. I'll meet y'all back at the place later. I'm going to stay and pray. And, you know, Jesus stayed and prayed for a few hours, several hours, praying by himself, several hours, the son of God praying to his father for several hours. How many hours do we pray a day? It's hard for people to pray for five minutes. If you notice, whenever you're at church uh, and the person's praying, and then you start getting kind of edgy and wanting them to hurry up and get to the amen part, and they only been pre uh, praying for a couple minutes. Think about Jesus praying for hours. He prayed so long, the disciples were wondering where he was at. They tried to wait for a little bit, but he didn't come. So they went on and got in the boat. And at this point, the disciples were upset, really, because they said, Jesus, he don't want to be king. Is this the person that we waiting to be king or not? What's going on? Why ain't he doing what we want him to do? Why isn't he being king like we want him to be king? And so as they were out rowing in this Sea of Galilee, they weren't paying attention to what they were doing. And the wind came up and the waves started splashing all over the place. And they were shocked because they hadn't been paying attention and they were stuck out here in the middle of this sea. And let me tell you something, if you get out in the middle of a big body of water like the sea, that wind will keep you from moving forward at all. So they were out here rowing and rowing and rowing for hours and it was pitch black and they couldn't see, the wind was blowing, the rain was in their eyes, big waves were splashing over the side of the boat. Somebody had to keep throwing water out of the boat while others kept trying to row. And I imagine other people were just huddled up trying to stay safe, forgot all about Jesus. But Jesus did not forget about them. He kept his eye on them, his eyes on the sparrow, right? So you know he's watching over you too. And he's watching over the disciples. They're out there toiling, struggling, had forgotten all about his power and his glory. And they had gave up because they had been rowing this boat since right after sunset. Now is what's called the fourth watch of the evening between 3 a.m. and 6 a.m. 
it only took them a couple hours to row the first time. Now they're stuck out here for over six or seven hours trying to get off this lake and they had just gave up hope. And then when they gave up hope, that's when Jesus showed up. Have you ever been tossing and turning in your bed at night? The waves of, of anxiety and stress washing over you, the winds of strife and problems blowing you all over the place. And then Jesus showed up and all of a sudden you was like, Jesus, thank you for being here. I feel so much better now that you're here. The disciples were exactly like that. Jesus came walking on the water, literally walking on the water. And they looked up and they couldn't really tell it was him yet because of all the wind and waves blowing and it was pitch black. And they thought it was a ghost. So they were really scared. Oh my goodness, it's a ghost coming to kill us. This is the end. What are we gonna do? We need help. And they looked over and they saw, hey, is that Jesus? I think that's Jesus. Jesus, come help us, come help us, we need help. And Jesus turned to them and he said to them, be of good cheer. And they were thinking, why should we be of good cheer? We out here stuck in the middle of this lake trying, to, trying not to drown. Why should we be of good cheer? And he said, be of good cheer because it is I. Let that sink in a little bit. Why should we be of good cheer? Regardless of our situation and circumstance, why should we be of good cheer? Because it's Jesus, because he's on our side, because he loves us. He's not going to let anything happen to us that he doesn't already know about. God never puts more on you than he knows you can handle. And we're right here in the palm of his hand each and every day, no matter what situation you're going through, no matter what problem you're facing, no matter how you feel, be of good cheer. It's Jesus on your side. Be not afraid, he says. And I like it in the Hebrew version of the Bible where the it is I part, he says, be of good cheer, it is I. And the Hebrew Bible says, be of good cheer, I am. When you are sick, and in need of a doctor, I am a doctor in the sick bed. When you need financial help and you're struggling to make ends meet, Jesus says, I am the owner of all the silver and all the gold and all the cattle on a thousand hills. When you're struggling with your mentality and you have stress and anxiety all over you, Jesus says, I am the wonderful counselor. I am whatever you need me to be. Think about these things and you will be of good cheer. Think about Jesus being I am whatever you need and you won't be afraid. Why would you be afraid when Jesus can do everything and anything? We don't have to be afraid. Jesus is on our side and he says, I am. Now, of course, Peter being himself, uh, quick to jump to things, fast, impulsive, first thing Peter said, is, hey, Jesus, if that's you out there, and it's not that Peter didn't believe it was Jesus, they couldn't see him at first, so they weren't sure. He knew Jesus, he loved Jesus, he just wasn't sure that was him. He says, if that's you, Jesus, let me come out there on the water, let me walk on the water too. And Jesus said, yeah, come on out. As I was reading that, I was thinking, Peter asked that question, and the person said, come on out. What if it wasn't Jesus? 
Peter would just be drowned. But it was Jesus, and he said, come on out. So Peter walked on the water. He got out. He was looking at the waves. Uh, he was looking at Jesus. He's walking on the waves. He was uh, keeping his eye on Christ. But you know what happened to Peter? The same thing that happens to all of us. We stop looking at Jesus, and we start looking at everything else. Peter started looking at the waves. Wow, these waves are kind of big. They over my head. These are some big waves. He started feeling the breeze, the wind blowing on his hair. Man, this wind is really blowing. He started looking at his feet, walking on water, thinking, this can't really happen, can it? You can't walk on water. What am I doing out here? And then he started sinking because he took his eyes off of Jesus and started looking at himself. People used to say uh, when young people were growing up, they start smelling themselves and they, uh, oh, I'm smelling myself. I smell pretty good to myself. Look at myself, smelling myself. What else can I do? But as Peter was sinking, he happened to glance up. What did I say? He happened to glance up. Up. Look up to the hills from whence cometh your help. Your help comes from the Lord. It doesn't come down. It comes from up above, where all good things come from. And when he looked up, he caught a glimpse of Jesus, and he said, Lord, save me. When you are sinking in problems, when you are sinking in discouragement and depression, in financial trouble, you got to look up. Don't keep looking down at the problem. It's not going to get any better. Look up and ask Jesus to grab your hand and save you. It only takes a, a glance. Once you look beyond the wave, beyond the wind, beyond the issue, and start looking at Jesus, the solution, everything changes. And Jesus held his hand out and lifted Peter up. And together, get that, together with Jesus, he was able to walk on the water and get back to the safety of the boat. All of us have to look up to Jesus. All of us have to keep our hands in Jesus' hand and walk safely back to the boat with him. Don't let go. I know it gets tough. I know it's trying. I know it's a struggle sometimes. I know we don't know which way to go, but you got to put your hand in the hand of the man who stilled the water. And when we do that, he can lead us back to the boat. Do you think Peter, after he had almost drowned, was struggling to go the other way from Jesus? No, he was happy to hold Jesus' hand and get back to the safety of the boat. In fact, when they got back to the boat, Peter was no longer his old self. He had been humbled by almost drowning. You know, if you've ever went swimming and accidentally swallowed a bunch of water, then when you come up out of water, you wash your face, ah, ah, and everybody's looking at you, and you're trying to maintain your composure, but you feel so humiliated, so embarrassed. And that's how Peter was. We have to be humbled like that sometime. God allows situations to come just for that reason, so that we can be humbled enough to say, Lord, save me. I can't do this myself. I can't manage this myself. I can't handle this myself, Lord. And when we do that and we call upon him and we take his hand, then he leads us back into the safety of the boat. And then the Bible says, when Jesus sat down, the winds ceased. The waves calmed down. The boat stopped its rocking. Has Jesus 
taking a seat in the boat of your heart. Is your seat in, your, in the boat of your heart open for Jesus? Look at it this way. In your heart, there is a throne. Who's sitting on the throne of your heart? Are you sitting on the throne of your heart? Because if so, that's why you're having so many problems. If you're sitting on the throne of your heart, that's why you can't escape sin. If you're sitting on the throne of your heart, that's why you can't keep God's commandments. That's why you can't hear his voice speaking to you. You got to get out of that seat. Don't let the devil take the seat because then you know you're in trouble. But you got to let Jesus sit on the throne of your heart. Just like when he sat on the seat in the boat, if he sits on the seat of your heart, he brings with him the peace that passes all understanding. When Jesus is sitting on the throne of your heart, he brings a calmness that nobody else can figure out. They're like, how is he able to stay calm? How come he ain't jumping through the roof? Why haven't he jumped out the window yet? Because Jesus is sitting in your boat. The peace that passes all understanding, we can't even understand it. That's why it's called the peace that passes all understanding. Because it's unnatural to us to just be calm, to just expect the best, to stay positive-minded, to not let negativity get into your brain, it seems unnatural. It don't seem right. But when you have Christ as the Lord of your life and your Savior, that's exactly how you're going to be, and people won't understand it. And you just have to give all praise and honor to God because it's only through him that you can have the peace that passes understanding. When all those waves went down, when the wind died down, the disciples, they looked at Jesus and they said, they thought about all the miracles. They thought about the miracle of the loaves and fishes. They thought about all the other miracles of healing that he had done. They thought about how he had brought them out of danger, how he had just saved them from drowning in that water. And they said to him, wow, you really are the son of God. Now, don't that sound funny? <laughs> they had been with him for all these years, walking with him, seeing all this stuff going on. How come now they just realizing he's the son of God? Well, ask yourself that question. How come you just now realizing Jesus is the son of God? Does it really take all that we have to go through? When we go off on our own decision-making, then God allows the mistakes that we cause to happen to us. But when we allow him to lead us, when we recognize who he is, then he takes responsibility for what happens to us. When we follow his commands and all of his commands are enablings, which mean when he tells us to do something, he gives us the ability and resources to do it. Then he accepts responsibility for the outcome. So once you've done all you can do to stand, then you just stand and see the salvation of the Lord. Brothers and sisters, all people listening in, let me ask you, have you acknowledged Jesus as the son of God? Have you recognized that Jesus is the Lord and savior of your life? If you haven't, I just wanna give you an opportunity now to say to the Lord, Lord, I believe, help my unbelief. I wanna be saved in your kingdom. I want you to come into my heart, Lord Jesus, and sit on the throne of my heart. And if you said that God heard you, 
And if you wouldn't mind, just type in the comments, amen, or praise the Lord or whatever. And our elders will give you a call and pray with you that we can all be stronger by allowing Christ to sit on the throne of our heart, to take a seat in the boat of our life so that we don't have to go through all these ups and downs that life gives us. And when God allows some things to happen, that we have the peace that passes all understanding and that it doesn't even seem to bother us because we know that there is a great reward waiting for those who endure and those who endure to the end. Let us pray. Lord, we thank you so much for your word, which encourages us, which uplifts us, which points us to you as our Lord and Savior. Jesus, please come into the boat of our hearts. Sit on the throne of our heart, Lord. Sit in our seat. Calm the waves and the wind that's blowing in our lives right now and give us the peace that passes all understanding, Lord. Bless us to do thy will, to be faithful servants of God and friends to man. In your blessed name, Jesus, thank you. Amen and amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. Elder Carol, what a powerful message of hope and faith. Have we reached a point yet in our lives where we know that Jesus is a very present help in the time of trouble? Like Peter, we just have to look up to the hills from whence cometh our help. Thank you, Elder. What a powerful message. And saints, we just want to uh, just give you a couple of announcements that at 2.30, our training for disciple class, uh, which will be led by Sister uh, Karen Lewis. We're going to be studying out of the book, uh, Testimonies for the Church, Volume 1, Chapter 63, uh, Two Crowns. Oh, I can't wait to hear what that's about. Two crowns. And every, every evening at six o'clock on our um, uh, church's website, uh, the YouTube or uh, Facebook, Top's Facebook channel, uh, we're still experiencing the power with uh, Elder Evangelist Walter Pearson. You can always tune in and, and then on Wednesday at 6.30, but we want you Tabernacle Brace, uh, Top family, to tune in to our power hour service at seven o'clock. Amen. Amen. We had a good time this past Wednesday and we just want to continue to experience that power through prayer and testimony. So with that being said, we'll see you that uh, next week for many of you. So may the Lord bless you and keep you. May he cause his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you and give you peace. Amen. <laughs>